0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 12th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, costing me money. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games we've played. The Culling Origins is returning with a strange business model looks like valves planning steam loyalty discounts and rewards terraria otherworlds open source petition will have a steam discovery queue and timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics hello rage hello yep costing me money every week we go to record the show and you're like hey here's this thing that's neat and i'm like well fuck i guess i'm spending money on that now <laughs> I mean, it'll be in Frankent content, the more full discussion and I don't know, maybe links or something at some point, but just found lots of really cute, uh, chibi unicorn rainbow things that you have shown me and I want to buy them all. And individually, most of these items are fairly inexpensive and that's where they mm-hmm. get you. Cause you're like, well, that's not all that much. I'll get that and that and that. And before you know it, you've spent $300 and bought everything in their entire catalog. Yeah. Although
1: I have to admit those unicorn slippers are adorable. But yes. they're also expensive.
0: Yes, and they're also tiny. Mm-hmm. They definitely will not fit either of our feet. Uh, we have very ne- neither the left shoe sizes. or the right. No, or the one in the middle. Wink, wink. Um, yeah. I don't. Know. I don't. I don't know where to go after that. Yeah, uh,
1: we, we've kind
0: of uh, gone to a dark place, darker than usual. <laughs> We're, we've peaked already. Looks like this is another show that's gonna be done in just a couple of minutes.
1: Yeah,
0: like we did it, right? We did it, folks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm all. I'm always done pretty quick. Wink. But also kind of like sad wink. wink. Uh, so uh, shall we just wrap it up then? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I, I
1: guess we should uh, talk uh, about some games.
0: We should rage tell everybody about the first game that you played this week.
1: Well. I've got two, both of them from Game Pass, but I'm going to link to the Steam page for the first one and the official page for the other one because you eh, can't really link to Game Pass all that easily. So the first one is HyperDot. This uh, is something that popped up on Game Pass a couple of weeks ago and I've been playing on and off. I think of it as a minimalistic uh, dodging game, for lack of a better term. Uh, sort of uh, like uh, Super Hexagon, if you re- recall that one, where... It's very short rounds, very intense, very uh, high-skill ceiling. So the entire idea of this is, think of it sort of like a uh, twin-stick shooter, only it's single-stick, you can only dodge or pick up power-ups. But you run around, and you basically have to stay alive and complete the objective, which is either survive a certain amount of time in the campaign mode or uh, collect uh, uh, a certain number of... uh, tokens, or just uh, essentially a king of the hill where you have to stay in a certain area for an amount of time. Uh, Overall, it's a lot of fun, but I didn't realize it was a $20 game, because holy shit. This is not, this is one of those games that, the price tag, I just can't not justify it. It's a very expensive game for what it is. Don't get me wrong, if uh, you're not good at this particular type of game, like me, it you will have a lot of playtime in it, but, you know, that's still a lot of money for you know, a very, very simple game overall. Now, what's interesting is that there is a multiplayer mode, which I haven't actually played, which has sort of a uh, kind of screw your uh, almost a Mario Party-esque feel to it, where you'd screw over other people by just getting in their way because, you know, Collision. And this is a type of game where, yeah, you know, there's often a lot of stuff to dodge. There's a lot of stuff to get out of the way of. There's only so much room, so it does have that, you know, potential to end relationships, much like Mario Party does. But ooh, it's tough to justify that price tag though. So, uh, any questions?
0: Not really. Um, I mean, this looks pretty straightforward. I do agree with you that that twenty dollar price tag is.
1: Yeah, I didn't pretty realize,
0: high for what this game seems. Yeah,
1: I didn't realize it was uh, that expensive. I've only gotten like 30 or so levels out of the hundred, so you know things are starting to quickly ramp up now. It has a kind of a, you know the first set of levels, the first 10, are pretty simple. You know, just teaching you the basic mechanics. You know, you could only uh, they sort of simulate the joypad or the or the thumbstick, I should say, where. Your character can only walk so fast. So even if you're moving around with the mouse, it's simulating that by uh, go trying to follow the mouse cursor, which is takes some getting used to actually, because you know, you're if you think like Super Hexagon where you know you're as fast as you can be. Well, on some levels, uh, there's a modifier where you're slower or where you'll slide around or that sort of thing, and. It, Takes a little getting used to, and the controls is pretty much just following the mouse cursor. So, if the uh, level changes your speed, you know, you have to make adjustments for it and may cost you a life or two to do so. But it's a good game, but I would say wait on a sale or just play on a Game Pass. I definitely see where they say similar to the games you played Binding of Isaac, Rebirth, and Cuphead, both very difficult, uh, high skill ceiling games even if they're two completely different genres from this. But I do really Sweet. like it, that's the thing. I like it, it's just...
0: Yeah, wait on a sale. Fair enough. Fair enough. So That's gonna c- contrast heavily with the next game that you slash we yeah, played.
1: Yeah, so we were really, really excited to see this one come to Game Pass. And then we downloaded it, right?
0: Yeah, so Warrior 5 Mercenaries came to Game Pass. Um... And boy, is that game disappointing.
1: (laughs) Disappointing isn't the word for it. I mean, I pretty much, uh, I think I was the first one to say, uh, this is kind of shit, right? Between the two of us.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the two things have really, have like helped informed how we both approached this. Like, like, I mean, we both didn't like it, but I'm a much bigger battle tech slash mech warrior Fan than you are, like I know like tons about the lore, yeah, yada yada yeah, blah blah I'm, blah.
1: I'm a casual, I know a bit about the lore, I know uh some of the uh, backstory,
0: uh, right. But and then the other thing is, I, I'm not as much of a mechanics focused gamer as you are, yeah. And
1: this game's mechanics are sloppy as fuck. And if you're going to it for the lore, well, from everything I've read, not much to find there either, so. Well, for those who don't know and i should say that i've played uh two of the previous mech warrior games th- i believe three and four i never got to play the d uh, the keeps on the dlc because that's how i'm programmed these days the expansion back for four if i recall correctly but uh you know i have history in the genre so i know how a Mac warrior game is supposed to feel and this game i i i, I kind of said at one point, it feels more like a mecha game than a mech. Because everything's over too quickly. There's times that it felt like I spent longer on the loading screen than I did the actual mission because it's all pseudo-procedural generation. It I mean set number of maps with random objectives on the map based on the mission type that you're taking through the contract. It's essentially sort of how Battletech had it where uh, you are a mercenary group. That, uh, there's a primary story campaign that is a set a series of missions. But then you go off and do your own thing to build up uh, money to get new mechs, that sort of thing. And those are all you know, the pseudo procedural generation. And honestly, even the story missions that I played kind of played the same, only they had a little bit more
0: voice acting. So you got what what level or what did you get to like what was the last story mission you did or what was your uh, and well and also what was your merc commander level or what I, I was
1: merc level five I was making my way to the next one uh, that after the scrambler or, or after the first couple missions where they gl- cut you loose and let you do your own thing I did the next one after that then it was. Okay, well, the next one's way the fuck over there
0: in this other uh, part of the map. Yeah. Is that, is that the one where you're supposed to be defending the f- farmers or doing the transportation missions for the mining? Uh,
1: I think it's doing the transportation missions because I did uh, some stuff for the farmers.
0: Okay. Yeah. So my number one problem with this game is that it takes way too long to get going. It I got to, to Merc Company level 10... Which you would think, oh, I got twice as far as you. No, because of the way that it scales up, like, it, it it works sort of like RPG leveling in that sense. Like, every level you go up, it takes more to get to the next level. It, it works um, like
1: how World of Warcraft used to uh, work, where each level takes longer and longer and longer, unless you're killing harder and harder shit. But the problem is that even the harder and harder shit, well, you're, it's just more stuff. It's more of the yeah. same
0: But it takes way too long to get going because it takes like two, two and a half hours to play through the tutorial missions. Like technically only the first one is the tutorial, but it 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 takes an extended amount of time to teach you about the gameplay. Like here's how you repair your mechs and here's how you go to a different system and like all this stuff. It takes you like two or two and a half hours to get through all that. And then it takes you like another, I don't know, three hours, four hours to get to where you were at. Which is where the the game like starts to hit what I felt was its like its sweet spot. So you're like seven hours invested before you're like, all right, yeah, this is a pretty like solid game. I mean it's not, it gets worse, but like once I got through all that stuff and I got to there, I was like, okay, like the beginning sucks. You know what, fine, I'm not as much of a mechanics based gamer, you know, like as long as this is good. And then it starts to dive again because of two issues, stupid enemy spawns. And brain dead AI. On just, both sides. Their their idea of more difficulty just comes from spawning the hell out of enemies. Just Zerg rushing you. Uh,
1: well, well, here's the thing is that what really got me wasn't the fact that it was more and more enemies as well. It was more and more of these little piss out tanks and helicopters. I'm playing Mech Warrior to make two giant mechs go you know, fight each other, right? <laughs> Yeah. uh, This, it's just getting pinged by tanks halfway across the map that was sitting there waiting on me uh, to pop onto their radar, and there was no chance for me to even dodge. So by the time I actually got to see... Actually, it, t- it took me a couple of hours to actually get to a mission where I fought more than one mech total.
0: Yeah, most of the beginning and low difficulty missions don't have very many mechs. They're mostly... Tanks, turrets, and uh, helicopters. Which is... And I'm... It's boring. I'm okay with tank turrets and helicopters being there. They've been in all of the previous MechWarrior games. But in those games where that all of the levels were hand-designed, you had a set number of enemies and it. They were balanced together to where that it made sense. Because, I mean, there are, in, in the lore, all of the factions and mercenary companies, like the big ones, they have tanks and support vehicles and stuff and the mechs are like sort of the pillars of the outfit but i mean you know you would fight two or three lances worth of tanks and two or three lances worth of mechs and you know so on. like it you know it felt like balanced encounters because they were all hand designed and the procedural generation or whatever they're using to pull in these enemy spawns is fucked up because they don't they don't bring enough mechs and even when they do, they're predominantly light mechs for a long time, which are the worst offenders, because they just charge at you full speed ahead, and your teammates charge at them full speed ahead, and they just run circles around each other. Yeah,
1: yeah. there were so many times that it, I saw the same tactic being used two enemy, or, or one of my lands and an enemy, basically circling around another one of my lands uh, with the... Uh, Each of them getting pinged. Uh, My lance mate by random tanks that the other guys were just standing around waiting to try to get a shot on the other mech, or you know, uh, or the one that's getting circle strafe. And don't get me wrong, circle strafing is a valid tactic, but that seems to be the only thing this AI understands. Because there were so many times I was in active engagements, and I had my own lance mates run in front of me in open fire, and then start
0: bitching at me, uh, "Hey, watch your fire." Well, what's the where the fuck you're going, nitwit? So basic, so I was reading a bunch of the mods that that are supposed to fix these things. And the way the AI is designed is they close to whatever their uh, closest range weapon is. Like, they try to keep at the maximum range of their closest ranged weapon. But most mechs have got weapons to fight at long, medium, and short engagement distances. So that means that by default, every mech is going to close to within a couple hundred meters of each other. And then they just wind up standing still, shooting at each other, or circle strafing. They oh, don't that's... actually try and engage at what, like, their ideal ranges. So, like, you see a mech, like, the Hunchback, for example. The standard Hunchback has got an, an AC-20, which has got a maximum effective range of, like, 250 meters, which is pretty close. But, I mean, that's kind of how the weapon is balanced. It can take the head off of most mechs with one shot if you're good. But it also has a small laser on top, which has an effective range of like 150 meters. So it tries to stay at 150 meters when it could be at 250 trying to maximize its survivability and damage from the big cannon. But instead it gets to within 150 meters. And it's even worse for like a catapult, which has all long range missiles and then a couple of small lasers for like close range defense. Well, the long-range missiles can't fire at closer than 200 meters. They have a minimum range. So, those mechs are basically useless, because they'll close to 150 meters to fight with their small lasers, and then they can't even use their long-range missiles anymore. Well,
1: that makes a lot more sense about why the AI was just brain dead, because uh, some of the tooltips talk about, you know, having close-up weapons
0: for whenever something rushes you. Well, right... (laughs) Yeah, to some extent, even without any mods, you can kind of work your own AI with that. Because if you build mechs for yourself and then mechs for your AI companions, with that in mind, like you can kind of deal with that a little bit. But generally, you severely reduce the effectiveness of most mechs by limiting them to one or range band them, or, of weapons. Or give them a John Achilles
1: heel Making it so that oh well this mech is only good at medium range. So if something rushes it, let's say uh, that hunchback that you know is uh, running at it because it has a tiny little uh, laser pointer strapped to its side. Well it's yeah. you know, it's outside of the of a, of, a, of your mech's effective range, so it's gonna be a lot tougher to take out anything.
0: Also, the AI doesn't utilize jump jets at all, that's on either side. Yeah, So that, that- if you put jump jets on your mech, it's wasted tonnage. And the thing is that a lot of mechs come with jump jets. Yeah. So uh,
1: the enemy AI is already hobbled because that's wasted tonnage. And and, the th- and we should say that each mech has a particular class weight or weight class uh, that has a maximum amount of weight they could carry. So light mechs are up to, what, the 30 ton
0: range? 35. 35, 35 tons I, for I can, light. I
1: can't remember if it was 30 or 35. But in every component with this game's unspeakably limited uh, customization, which I'm sure you're going to get into. Oh, I'll get there. I'll uh, get there. Has an amount of weight that's attached to it. So if you have a mech that has like five or six jump jets, that's at least six tons of just wasted weight on that mech that the AI's never going to use unless. Yeah, it freaks out for some reason,
0: and the pathfinding yeah, is
1: just atrocious. There were several times that I've seen mechs just get stuck on a random rock, and there's just so many times I
0: got stuck on a random rock when I shouldn't. It's like yeah. the geometry was off. I, I, and the smaller your mech is, the more possibility there is of that of happening. Because I've gotten, I've got three. I have two or three assault mechs. And then, like, a whole lance worth of heavy mechs. And they rarely get stuck, except on, like, really large boulders. But the light and, and medium mechs can get stuck on seemingly nothing. Yeah, which is just... Uh... Um, but you mentioned the customization system. That's one of the best parts of any mech or Battletech slash warrior game. I've talked about it extensively in the, when talking about Battletech. I've talked about it extensively in the past when talking about Mech Warrior 4, which has come up on the podcast a couple of times in the last couple of years because I've went back and played it. Um, and the customization in this is abysmal. They... I don't know what they have done. In every other mech game before, essentially you have a, a, a slot system of some type, and it's varied by the games. And you have, for example, let's say a maximum of three energy weapon slots... In the arm of a mech, um, and you can either equip one large laser, which would take up all three of those energy weapon slots, or you could equip three small, or three medium lasers in those three slots. And there's there's variation depending on what weapon type it is. Some you know one weapon might only take up two slots, and so you could use one kind of medium sized and one small. But the way that it works in this is that you will be given a slot. It'll be for example one large energy weapon slot. So you can only put one energy weapon in that slot. So you could use one large energy weapon, or you could bump it down to a medium or a small, but you can't put multiple small weapons in one large slot. Which also hobbles certain mech designs, right? It's really bad on the low end. The thing is, is when you get up to the heavy and assault mech classes, it's not as big of an issue because you want those large weapons. These are the platforms that can carry, you know, LRM-20s or... Multiple um, auto cannon 20s or multiple PPCs or whatever, like you want to use that many large weapons, but in smaller mechs, you have to make a trade off between survivability, uh, maneuverability, and firepower. And so, being able to, for example, do two or three medium lasers instead of one large laser is a good trade off in light mechs because you can use your speed. To get in and out of there, or maybe you can put some extra armor so you can soak up a head if you're not as good of a pilot or whatever. But you're not allowed that customization. And it's it's a, it's a terrible. And there's a whole class of stuff that even where I'm at in the game, I haven't seen. There's like an equipment tab.
1: that. Uh, well, I got one back that had engine uh, cooler mo- uh, uh, slots that I had no access to uh, that equipment.
0: Yeah, so later you get internal heat sinks which are more efficient than standard heat sinks and they can only be put in those slots. Okay. Um but there's a whole other equipment tab which I went and I looked at the like instant action game to see what it was and it's a lot of standard stuff that you see in like MechWarrior online um but not in like BattleTech like uh the anti missile system which is like a uh, a machine gun like a, a minigun that shoots down incoming missiles. There's like a a jammer that you can get, like an electronic jammer, Um, range or like laser pointers to help make, um, I think it's called tag, um, which make your missiles more accurate if you can maintain a tag lock on on an enemy. Um, And just little stuff like that, which is nice. But I'm at least like level wise. Okay, so it caps at 15. Your mercenary company gets capped at level 15. And I'm at level 10, and I haven't seen any of that stuff. So I assume it's locked to story progression. I've traveled across a lot of the inner sphere just, like, exploring, and I haven't seen much equipment differences in the stores. Mech differences, yes, because mechs are kind of tied to certain regions that, um, you know, certain mechs are more likely to show up in House Davian space versus House Steiner and et et cetera. But, yeah, the customization system is abysmal. And I might, if that was, like, the worst problem, with the game I might could work with it as just like okay this is a game design choice I disagree with it but you know I can see what they're trying to do because the one one like positive for this is that there are a ton of mech variants stock normally what happens in in the mech warrior or battletech games is you get one or maybe two variants of a mech and then these slots allow you to customize them to your liking more but in the lore there are for example like, a dozen versions of the Hunchback that have different weapon loadout configurations. And so that seems to be the approach that they've taken. Um, In lore, it's supposed to be a lot more difficult to modify these mechs than in-game. And I can see that, and I can kind of go along with that, but also it makes the gameplay worse. And I think sometimes it's important to make decisions to sort of sacrifice on, like, the... uh, I don't know, like sticking to the trueness of whatever medium that you're building from or the original material and making certain sacrifices in that respect for better gameplay. So, I mean, I can see where they were going with that because, I mean, so far I've run into five versions of the Hunchback in the game. Um, but, you know, I I think I prefer it the other way from a gameplay perspective.
1: Yeah, which another thing I hated was uh, the just the salvage system in general. yeah. Where, okay, so it is closer to lore, or at least according to you, where, or I guess the game mechanics of the tabletop version of like Battletech, where everything has a amount of shares of uh, essentially the loot after a mission, and mechs require a lot of shares, and early on, you cannot get anything but, you know, a couple weapons. But the thing is that they also cap it for some reason, so you can't... You know, sacrifice your sea uh, bills. Uh, well, yeah. Unless you go to higher a- area missions, where then you start running into, oh, well, I'm going to go bankrupt because I have all these tanks pinging me from halfway across the damn map. Yep. I'll get to that too. I got a lot of complaints. Yeah. Y- yeah. You stuck with this game a lot more, and you also uh, are more versed in the lore. But you're just. Uh, r- 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 running up this John bill, but in order to have a shot at anything decent, you're having to sink so much into salvage that it just is befuddling to me.
0: Yeah, Another problem that I dislike the mech variants for, which you brought this up when we were talking the other night, is that in the salvage screen, it doesn't tell you what, like you can't hover over with a tooltip and see like, oh, what, what version of this mech is this? Because I, like I, I mentioned a minute ago, I've seen five versions of the Hunchback. I know what the difference is between the K, J, G, P, and M versions are of the Hunchback. Because I've read a bunch of the books. I go on Sarna.net for fun. But, I mean, you, without that knowledge, have no clue. You're just like, oh, that's a Hunchback. And you you might be expecting one thing, and instead you get something completely different.
1: Uh, one of two things, really. Because my latest exposure is Battletech, and they had, what, two primary va- variants?
0: Yeah, there's two. There's the um, the P, which is the laser variant that's the Hunchback, for anyone who doesn't know, has got like this big weapon pod mounted on its right shoulder. Yeah, I called and, mine
1: in, uh, in Battletech Bazooka Joe.
0: Yeah, there's the P, which is a laser variant, and that weapon pod can be loaded up with a bunch of different laser weapons. And then there's the G, which is like the big cannon version, and by default it's got an Auto Cannon 20 in it.
1: Yeah, but also to has, uh you know, limited ammo because it takes a lot of shot or a lot to really be able to, a lot of time to be able to load up those
0: shells because, you know, it's fucking massive. Yeah. As you might expect. Right. But, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a problem because, you know, I can look at all these different models in the salvage list and go, oh, okay, that's the J version. Well, I've already got one of those that's got the two big missile launchers in the pod instead of the lasers or the cannon, so I'll pass on that. To go for this other thing, but I mean, I mean, while I'm
1: sitting here googling yo know, this on the BattleTech wiki. It's like, okay, what the fuck is this one? Because thankfully it's the same, uh, yeah, yeah. They kept the names at least, but yeah. also uh, because there's different variants and also tiers of weapons. So, yeah. uh, so there's four different tiers of weapon. Nope, there's
0: five. Oh, there's, there's a, a fifth f- tier. Oh, there's a few
1: that I hadn't uh, encountered yet. Okay,
0: yeah, the whole thing is like it's got a golden weapons, like it's. The little box that's got it, the information is gold instead of having little dots, and that's a tier five weapon. Okay, okay, so there's five tiers. I
1: hadn't encountered the fifth one yet, where uh, it's uh, pips or gold. But if, let's say, I uh, the one I kept getting was medium blazers, all right? So if I have a tier, well, actually tier two because, uh, well, six tiers because no pips as well, remember? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So if I and I kept getting one pip medium lasers, well, if I got a two pip medium laser, it would say, "Well, I have only a couple of those, even though I know I have a bunch of t- of tier ones." Well, a tooltip would have been helpful to say, "Okay, well, you have this many of a uh, tier one, this mi- or tier zero, this many of tier one, this many of tier
0: two, that sort of thing." It's just lack of information, yeah, or lack of useful information, I should say, because. The, oh. the game does lack a lot of useful information, even in within its own tutorial and help system. Um, it lacks a lot like, because, like it, the fucking for, map. Yeah the the map sucks, but like the difference in the weapon pips it it's really hard to figure out. Like, okay, why is one pip better than two pips? Unless you and sit there there's there in, no uh,
1: compare them back and forth, and there's no direct there's comparison. No,
0: yeah, there is no direct comparison. Typically, they you generate less heat and or do more damage. But, I mean, that's hard to measure. Also, it just gives you numbers. Like, for example, a medium laser by default does 5 damage. But, like, what does that mean? It doesn't put that in any context for you. Um, Because I'm pretty sure, and I haven't found a good explanation of this, but I think, like, for missiles, it says a missile does, like, 3 damage. I think that's per missile hit, not for the entire rack. But it doesn't tell you that. And then for laser beams, they fire either in a concentrated beam or in pulses. If you get, when you get pulse lasers later on, mm-hmm. but you know, does it do five damage if you keep the entire beam on for the whole time? Or is it five damage per second that the beam is on target? Like you get no helpful context for this. And it's not explained anywhere in the game or in the help system. And I didn't find anything online that was easily accessible that explained it. Yeah, and it also
1: didn't help whenever you start getting into missile variants, because I ran into the stream missile, where instead of launching off one giant salvo, it launches them one after another in quick succession, which honestly seemed to be more damage to me, because yeah, I was getting more on targets, especially on these little mechs. But there's no direct comparison saying, okay, well, this has a hit percentage of this, this has a, right? It just, ugh.
0: Yeah. Well, I I knew that one, at least if it works the way it's supposed to in lore. Yeah, but um, the, right. the stream missiles are more accurate because instead of all firing at once out of the same launch pod, there's small there are fewer tubes, so the spread is a lot smaller. Yeah, supposedly, right? So, yeah. I don't I don't also, I think I've gotten more hits with them, but it's hard yeah, but, to say for sure. Yeah, but I also it was having
1: trouble under or uh doing too little damage to uh Airborne targets because how so many of tar- uh, the missiles will just miss?
0: Yeah, uh, but the map is terrible. It's garbage. Um, you uh, can't it, really accurately read the terrain by pulling up the map and looking at yeah, it. Yeah, there were so many None times the- I
1: ran into uh, just a box canyon uh, that yep. lo- that looked like I should be able to walk up it, uh, but nope, uh, invisible wall. If it looked like I could walk up it uh, uh, on the actual terrain, or uh, you know, the, the 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 map just lied. The map is terrible, and also, I would have loved to be able to tell, okay, uh, you two go this way, or you know, be able to, you know, send a couple of my lance mates off to check another objective, especially whenever I was on some of the assassination contracts, and uh, two of the possible places were pretty far apart. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to send yep. my little uh, scout mech
0: off on his own to be able to, you know, scout. Yep. Because the scout the light mechs can do that a lot faster. They can run two or sometimes three times faster than the fastest their fastest like medium counterparts and got, you know, immensely faster than heavy and assault mech counterparts. But you can't do that. You can't order them. You can order them to a specific location on the ground which you can see. Yeah, which, but not I mean, you helpful. can't see three kilometers away to the base or whatever. Nothing on the map is labeled, control points aren't labeled, grid points aren't labeled can't see you like you can't tell anything i think some of it is they're they're thinking it's like oh you got jump jets just use those <laughs> and that would be great if your ai companions would follow you with their jump jets if you put them on their mechs but they won't yeah so those, are just, they uh, those are they get stuck just try to path
1: maybe back to you and you know take five minutes because eh.
0: yeah if you or they ever fall off of a cliff you're fucked they're they're never getting back to you just it's just not happening. So either you have to complete the, the mission without them or restart. And and on the higher difficulties, you need them. Even though they suck, you need their spongy little bodies to soak up all the incoming fire. Put them in
1: a couple cicadas and uh, put the target on them, right?
0: Oh no, 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 no! I'm put them in like fucking thunderbolts or Jagermax or war like i um, like you know sixty plus ton heavy max. Or I don't have an atlas yet. The heaviest mech I've got is the awesome. Um, I've got an awesome and what's the other assault mech that I have? A grit? No, grizzly? Something. It's it's got like a it's an eighty ton mech that's got a big cannon on one of its arms mm-hmm. and like a shield in the other one. It, it looks like a, a bigger version of the Centurion. Yeah. Um, but you need you need their little metally meat shieldy bodies because. All of the spam gets worse. The tank spam gets worse. The helicopter spam gets worse. Light mech spam gets worse. And I'm getting to the point where medium mech spam is getting bad. Um, then there were a couple of sweet points, sweet spots. I mentioned like around level like five, six, seven in there. Um, I started hitting a sweet spot where I felt like the amount of mechs and tanks that I was fighting was kind of appropriate to what I had in my lance. And then, there's sort of a little dip where that I was way overpowered compared to everything else. Just a very slight dip at like level eight. And then I moved towards the next main mission and got into the like the level nine and 10 areas. And then it's just overwhelming swarm again. And with a with a squad or with a Lance of two assaults and two heavies, um, it starts to feel a little more balanced again, just because you can soak up all the incoming fire from, the 40 enemies that just appeared on your map. um, But, I mean, it's... I, I hit a point, I, I was grinding towards... Or not grinding, I was moving towards the next campaign mission. And the area that I was in is, like, this mission was rated at difficulty rating, like, 70. It goes from 0 to 100 on the difficulty rating, when you actually, like, pull up the contracts and look at them. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck, like, the 60... And 65 difficulty missions were, like, chewing me up and spitting me out. Like, I was losing armor and weapons constantly. I was just barely turning a profit. Oh, I, I had I
1: was- this one, uh, 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 my, uh, blackjack. It constantly was going through AC2s.
0: Yeah. Well, that, because fucking AI doesn't use them properly. All the AI, uh, anyways, we already talked about Yeah, that. but, yeah, but that was my best, uh, composition was throwing that in. So it was just. Oh, uh, okay, well, I'll just keep an eye on the market by buy all the AC2s ever, right? Yeah. But anyways, it's like I'm barely turning a profit. I'm gonna have to go into this, because the story missions usually are multi-part sort of campaign-type missions, and some of them are back-to-back missions where you can't take a break between them. You have to have a roster of mechs ready to go. Um, And, and there's, like, standard mission contracts that are like that. There'll be two or three missions heck, maybe even more, I don't know, that are back-to-back, and you don't get a chance to repair your mechs between missions. So you have to swap to fresh ones or take damaged mechs and injured pilots in a battle. Um, But, uh, you know, so it's like, all right, I'm gonna have to go, like, build up essentially a little war chest so that I can deal with this campaign mission and get ready to move on. And so I went back to one of the earlier areas of the game and I started grinding, and I thought to myself, why am I grinding? Like, this is not the type of game that this is. Like, a little bit of grind to, like, look for some some parts or make a little money to get something extra you or, want. Like, or, fine. Make a,
1: or make a bit of uh, cash and uh, get some mechs on the way to the next mission.
0: Yeah, like, that's fine. But, you know, because you got to pay for your mercenary company. I get that. But, like, I specifically went back to, the like, the level five and six areas of the map to grind out because I knew that I could survive on, the, on those and actually... Get good salvage and not have to spend all my money on repairs, and then that's when I said, "Fuck it, I'm done with this for now." So I don't, I don't know how the campaign ends.
1: Uh, well, from everything I've heard in reviews, poorly.
0: Um, I do th- the campaign missions were kind of, in in my opinion, a little bit of a saving grace because they were they they were maps I didn't see anywhere else. They had mechanics that weren't in uh, anywhere else in the game. Oh, uh, like, but one well, tutorial,
1: yeah, but whoever decided, oh, let's put a, a, a scrambler on the second mission. Fuck you! Fuck you in particular! And I've
0: never seen another one of those scramblers show up again. Anywhere.
1: Only time I've ever seen that effect again was getting hit by a very particular weapon.
0: Yeah, the PPC does, like, a momentary scramble of your your HUD. um, Because it releases, like, when it explodes, it's an electromagnetic field that spreads out. And I think it's a 50 meter radius from the impact point. But anyways... Yeah, that's never shown up again. The repair base never show up again. Yeah, like, I was looking great. for. The, I was looking for the repair base again. Th- those would be great in war zone or defense missions, particularly when you're tr- locked down to a single area to just kill the waves of incoming enemies. Like those would be great. Yeah, but they uh, never yeah, showed up which, again.
1: Which there's what five main mission types? There's war zone, which is kill so many enemies, and then you could stay to kill some more if you want and get a bonus. There's defense, which you have a set to, a target to defend, uh, and you get a bonus if you keep your target above a certain percentage, which I had a couple times that my AI decided, eh, let's walk through the target to get to the other side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's raid, which is the reverse where you're uh, raiding and trying to destroy targets, which uh, yes. trying to uh, trying to corral
0: your AI to be able to get into the area. Oh, I just abandoned them. I started doing those missions in either a light or a medium mech, um, something really fast like the Assassin with jump jets, and a PPC. And you just sprint through and PPC every target, and if it's a big building, you just crash into it and demolish it with your mech. Yeah, I was just having
1: trouble figuring out, okay, which uh, which of these buildings in this complex actually count towards that
0: percentage? Because there was times that it felt like none of these buildings were counting. unless Oh, right. Demolish. Uh, Sorry, I was thinking of Raid. Did you say Raid? I said Raid, but I I forgot. Raid is Raid is specific targets and demolishes demolishes you destroy an entire area. Yeah, sorry. I forgot those are two separate things. Demolish. uh, uh, Fuck that in particular. Demolish missions are really pointless when you have an assault mech. Because an assault mech can literally just walk through anything and destroy it. Yeah, but I didn't have
1: an assault mech. I was still on medium mechs because... uh, I I just couldn't bring myself to ground.
0: Yeah, uh, then um, there, and then there's assassination.
1: Yeah, which uh, you're given several points on the map and it could appear uh, your target appear in any one of those. And sometimes you have to go to multiple because uh, you need to kill all their lancemates and they may not be all there.
0: Yeah. Um, are those the main? Yeah, those are I think the main mission types. Um, and then there's oh, what are they called? Where there's two or three missions linked together. Is it just multiple mission contracts? Yeah, I think so. Um, and then there are... Multiple mission um, operation. Yeah, which are just two or more of... It could be the same, it could be different mission types strung together in a row. Um, then there's the high value missions, which are... Have got little bits of extra story attached to them, and they might have a slight variation. They're the same types, but I did see some slight variations on those, um... I also have a rival that just happened. Um, I've got a rival like Mercenary Company that is out to get me. Oh, um, really? I've never had that pop up. Yeah, I've I primarily have stuck with Davian. Um, yeah, I did and there too. A- uh, mostly because I need
1: the parts to try or the salvage, and yeah, that you start in their space. So,
0: yeah, but I actually started participating in one of the war zones. So. There's conflict zone and there's war zone. And conflict zones are where you can just find contracts, but war zones specifically happen between the great houses. And there's a shitload of contracts in war zones. And um I took several contracts in a row against um like okay, so the contract will be like you know, you can choose which side and that basically tells you like which mission type you're gonna do. So for example, it's either a defense or a um, de- demolition mission. And if you take defense, then you side with um, Davian. And if you take demolition, you side with Kuritan Essentially, for all of these missions, and I did several in a row for House Davian because I was like super friendly with them. So you- I was getting using all my um, bonuses for the uh, negotiation. And at the end of one of the missions, like, and it it was just like a normal mission. It wasn't like a, like a, one of those campaign or whatever things. And this guy comes over the radio and he was like, you know, oh, I know you're a fellow mercenary crew, but you killed a lot of good people of mine across this campaign. I'll be out. I'll be after you and like some other stuff. And then he, he popped up again in another mission. And, um, I, I forget her name, Raina. Was like, oh, heads up, commander. It looks like we've got uh, a specific lance that's coming in to the AO. They're not part of the mission. Kill them if you have to. Otherwise, avoid them. And it was those those mercenary guys. But the mission I was doing was just like a, a raid mission, so I wiped out the targets and then left, and I didn't actually encounter them.
1: Yeah, I'm just but I'm just looking around to see. Uh, I found the mech list actually. Uh, so you mentioned hunchbacks. There's the GHJ.
0: SP and there's a special named one here. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah, Hero Max. Is it the K? Uh, well, this is called is it the, the Hunchback Gridiron. K. Okay, yeah. But anyways, but there there's those like back to the, what I was saying about the mission types. There's like the sort of the story little story missions. They've got little extra bits to them here and there. And then there's the campaign missions, which are unique. Um, some of them. Like, as far as I can tell, they're all using maps that don't show up for the random mission types. I mean, maybe some of them do, and I just didn't recognize them because I haven't played it enough. But um, I definitely have not seen those maps elsewhere that I can recall. And they'll have very specific objectives and a lot of unique dialogue on some of them. Um, they're a lot more difficult, but in, like, the correct sense of difficult, instead of just like, God, this is so hard, there's 55 things in my way. Um, They'll be difficult because it's actually like a slog of... Like, there's one where you have to go and attack this fuel facility for the... um, What's the the bad guy mercenary company? Black... Uh, Black Nova... Black Fire... Something like that. Black Inferno. Black Inferno. Black Inferno. So there's a Black Inferno complex you go and attack, and you're destroying their fuel um, refining operations. And you get deeper and deeper into this facility, fighting your way through their defenses but in a way that makes sense it's like the outer turrets and then their initial response and then the on-site mechs and then they call in the heavy guys to go after you and as you get deeper the resistance gets harder and you're expending ammunition and taking damage and it was it was a pretty pretty solid tense mission for all the right reasons but it's like there's one of those every four or five or six hours among this sea of blah blah repetitive missions and I can be okay with that. I've played Battletech for 500 hours, but the, all of the underlying mechanics and systems that support that are really good, not mediocre at best and a slog at worst, you know? So, I mean, there are the, the Game Pass version or the Windows version doesn't at this point support mods. There and you, you and I had this com- had a conversation about this, and so I can kind of let you pick up for there after I say this. But there are a lot of mods that fix a lot of these things. Um Yeah, but that that's not
1: it- an excuse anymore. I mean, I'm tired of giving Bethesda that excuse. So, giving a game company that has, let's say, a little bit of experience with Mech Warrior and making an actually decent battle system, uh, an excuse saying, oh, "Well, the mods fix it." No, no. If if the base game is shit, it's shit with mods. You can polish a turd all you want, but it's still a turd.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I would... All of that to come together here at the end and say, you know... If I had bought this, I would be really pissed off. Um, thankfully, having only played it through Game Pass, I certainly enjoyed bits of time with it. I was frustrated and powered through other parts of it. Um... You know, if it stays on Game Pass and they bring mod support to it, I'd be happy to play it that way. But if it goes away from Game Pass, I mean, it's coming out on Steam. It's supposed to come out on Steam, I should say, towards the end of this year. Yeah, after um, uh, you know, after the year delay. I might could see buying this game for like 10 or 15 bucks. Well, you're to about have $10 like,
1: higher than me. I would buy it at 5
0: yeah, but you know, I would I would buy it really cheaply to have as a a platform for modding. Be- I mean, there hasn't been a MechWarrior game like a single player MechWarrior game since two thousand two when MechWarrior Four Mercenaries released. Yeah, and there hasn't been and, a, a real
1: MechWarrior game since. Since you know,
0: <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but this just
1: feels more like a mod to MechWarrior Online with all the decent stuff that MechWarrior Online did stripped out of it. I mean, I'm sitting looking at the maps feeling, oh, man, these maps feel so tiny uh, compared to what MechWarrior used to have. Uh, There's none of the strategic layer that MechWarrior used to have. It just feels very, very stripped down. Like, okay, well, we got a storyline that kind of works, uh, and we could
0: uh, put it into MechWarrior online, so let's call it a day. MechWarrior 4 is a better game, hands down. But the biggest problem I have with that is that I've played MechWarrior 4 so much, so many times, it's just old. You know, it's it's there's not a lot that it has left to offer. And so a newer, nicer looking, more updated experience would have been nice. Uh, but I mean, well, I'm I'm
1: continuing to go through the mech list, and a lot of these special variants are special variants from MechWarrior not.
0: Yeah, they brought in well the hero units though for MechWarrior Online are pulled directly from lore. They didn't make those up. Yeah, but still, yeah. Um I I would lo- I would be a lot happier with it and could forg- I think I could forgive the spamminess and even the shitty AI if the mech customization system was there from MechWarrior Online because they do proper slotting. They do variations on the types of armor that you can use they do variations on the type of skeletons you can use to build your mechs they do engine customizations they do all of that and uh, i mean that's one of my favorite things about the series is to just play with my mech builds and there's so little customization available in in mercenaries or mech warrior five mercenaries that yet you know i could forgive a lot if it had a lot better more in-depth customization because then I could still play with my mechs, but I can't really all that much. Also, twelve mechs is not enough, damn it. MechWarrior 4, you could have unlimited mechs built, and BattleTech lets you have eighteen prepared at a time. And you think, oh, twelve's not that much or not that much less compared to sixteen, but it's not enough. Especially, six, especially eighteen.
1: If, especially if you have multiple mission operations where you need
0: a full two lances. And. With 18 mech slots, you can have a full lance composition of light, medium, heavy, and assault, and then four left over to play with. And it's important to have different mech types for various missions, because then you get locked down even more. If you're, if you're running a full setup of, like, max armored heavies and assaults, basically the only thing they're good for is defense contracts and warzone missions. And those get old, doing them over and over and over again.
1: Honestly, I'll say all the missions get old quickly.
0: That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, don't. I, don't, don't buy... I,
1: I, I would give. I would be a little bit more forgiving if the story missions felt like they were more handcrafted instead of just plopped onto another copy of you know, these maps. But they don't feel special at all outside of that very first one.
0: Well, I mean, like I said, the later ones feel a little bit more special. But I mean, I played the game for. Probably 20 hours total. Yeah. I didn't. Maybe 25. Yeah, I didn't sink that much time into it. I played it a lot. I,
1: I I pretty much was sure I was going to dislike it from like after I played a couple of the very, very short Rogue Light ga- uh,
0: missions where it was just,
1: eh,
0: okay, uh, here's a five minute mission. Fine. Joystick support is broken on the Xbox version as well. My Hotas that I have is the most recommended Hotas for this game, and it basically doesn't work. It it doesn't recognize half the buttons on it. So either the people playing this game like playing it with only half of their control input functioning, or the Game Pass version is borked up and just not enough people are playing it on Game Pass with options other than mouse and keyboard.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to go back to uh, the remaster uh, uh, debate uh, for a moment. I would love to see A competent company go back and redo some of the older MechWarrior games, especially since they were built around having a mouse or or, a a hotas. Because yes, you can play them with a mouse and keyboard, but it's jank as fuck. Yeah, it it needs a little bit more reworking to be able to uh, play with mouse and keyboard, and also getting them to work these days is getting tougher and tougher.
0: Yeah, MechWarrior 4 doesn't like modern hotas stuff, and I, I don't know why, the joystick portion is fine, but it doesn't like the throttle portion, because I've... I, I mean, within the last year, I would say, I've played Warrior 4 Mercenaries all the way through again, and it didn't like the my throttle, but the joystick was fine. So I would use keyboard, basically, for throttle control, and then the joystick for the rest of it. Right, And that worked but, great. But you know what I'm saying, is that uh, just getting the game going...
1: As getting to be tough, let alone getting your, you know, your hotas working, right? Yeah, That's a game I would like to see a proper rework on or proper remaster with uh, maybe the option to do mouse and keyboard as well.
0: I would like to see a number of the really old Warrior games, like the ones, I think there were two that came out on Super Nintendo Um, that I would like to see on PC. That would be nice. Um, and then, I know that there were multiple older Warrior games, but I think there were two, like, you know, quote, proper Warrior games that came out yeah, on Super uh, Nintendo. Yeah, I
1: see the Super Nintendo Mech Warrior,
0: Which I have tried to play, and it's abysmal. Like, I'm sure it was great for, you know, 1980 or 1990, whatever. 1993. You know, 1993. Yeah, I'm sure it was great for that time, but playing it in 2020 is, it's... It's a it's a disaster. I can't play it. Also, it's
1: a a little disconcerting to. Well, the other one is MechWarrior Thirty Fifty,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a isometric uh, third person.
0: From, okay. from the looks of this. So
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah, don't buy it unless you can get it really, really, really cheap, or want to try it out as part of Game Pass. Yeah. Otherwise, stay stay very far away from it. Yeah.
1: I will say, I will give them this much, alright? That opening sequence where you're going across the hangar for the first time is
0: really amazing just to get a sense of scale for these things. Oh yeah, you well, You can walk around, or you do walk around the inside of your ship, mm-hmm. and you can walk through the, your mech bay and see your C4 mechs of yours on like, the pads. Um, yeah, And the first time ants. you do it, they fancy it up. You walk through the hangar... And you get on the lift and go up to the top of the mech and get in and, you know, that's... But you're right, that sense of scale is really cool. Because you don't really ever get to see that in any of these games. Like, you can see a mech compared to a tank or a building or whatever, but being on the ground looking up at how massive these things are, it's it's great. Yeah, and Then think gets then, really old. Yeah,
1: then all downhill from there.
0: And it, yeah, and it
1: does get old. Especially whenever you have to go talk to your uh, CO.
0: Yep. You uh, have to go check or, and or, oh, sorry,
1: your exo. Because you uh, yeah, you're the commanding officer because yeah, you're the one that has all the experience with the oh wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but it, it spawns you in the hangar on your ship instead of in the um like on the bridge or the command portion. It's it's not really separated very much. It's like one giant room essentially, and then you have like your ready room that you can go into. And access the computer in there and basically do all the stuff you can do on all the other computers in the in the ship. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think they should start you in your ready room every time. That makes sense. I hate standing in front of, like, mech slot number one, having to walk up for everything.
1: Or at least start you, or have it where that computer at mech slot number one was usable instead of having to walk over to between the first and second slots.
0: Yeah, that's so stupid. That computer doesn't work. You can't use it. I assume that like your mech tech guy, it's like maybe that's his personal computer. He's like, "Oh, don't touch my computer," because he's apparently kind of feisty. It's he's things, but... he's on
1: there trading stocks online. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, watching his portfolio just plummet.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, stay stay away from it. Play right now if you want a new mech game. Play BattleTech, unless you just really hate turn based strategy. Play BattleTech. It's it wins. I I remember. I think two years ago. When they were both supposed to come out in the same year, we are like, oh yeah, it's going to be the year of the mech, it's going to be great, I wonder which one's going to be better, the mech warrior game, or the, well, now we know. the turn-based strategy game, it's like, yeah, now we know, mech warrior, pile of dog shit, I would say, tech, I would say, uh, even gets. with all
1: the jank and all the trouble, getting
0: uh, mech warrior 4 working, go play that. Yeah, I agree. Or mech warrior Actually, 3. Actually, it's, it's not that hard to get mech warrior 4 working. At least last time I, I set it up, um, there's a, a very dedicated group of people that have put together like a whole like install for it. You don't need a disk. You don't need to like mount it to an ISO or anything. Like you just download it and can run it in compatibility mode for XP, I believe. It's either XP or Windows 7. Um, you just, and you can run it in compatibility mode. It's great. Um, I found it on a site that, like, that's what they have is, like, old version or old games. Yeah, the problem is that uh, if it requires XP compatibility mode, pretty sure Windows 10 removed
1: that. Well, that's dumb. So, like I said, it's getting tougher and tougher to get that game running, even with the dedicated community, because you need either an old computer or
0: dual boot. Yeah. Here we go. Here it is. Myabandonware.com. And then MechWarrior 4 more Mercenaries, do 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 do, in case you're interested. There you go. But yeah, you can just download it and run it that way. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a hotest, so you know I'll have to deal with the more jank version, which at that point, uh, right. Do you have a joystick at all? No. Hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't work with controllers. I've tried to do it with a controller. Um, I don't know though. Maybe somebody fixed it. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Let's 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 move on from this. We've been talking about this for a long time, like yeah. forty five, forty or forty five minutes. So, yeah. welcome. I hey, hey, hope you enjoyed your bonus game club for MechWarrior Five Mercenaries, dear yeah, listener. Yeah, it stinks. Um, I'm gonna talk about my other game though, uh, which is BattleTech. After playing MechWarrior Five Mercenaries, I wanted to play BattleTech, but I went and installed the Rogue Tech mod, which is like the biggest. Uh, I won't, it's not exactly a conversion mod, but it adds everything. Like every, they're in the process of adding every single everything that's ever existed in Battletech Wiki to the game. They've overhauled all of the rules and mechanics. Um, it's essentially a different game in just in the same skin, uh, just the same Battletech skin. Um, and I've only played it for a couple of hours. I don't have a ton of experience with it yet. Um, and I don't know how much I'll get because it runs like hot garbage. Um, it's turn-based, so to a certain extent you can overlook really poor frame rates and things like that, but it just gets really frustrating um, when you're trying to play a game at 10 or 15 FPS. I mean, that's in you know slideshow territory, even a turn-based game. And certain areas, certain maps are better than others, but it's not really tied into... The uh, graphics settings all that much. Um, it's something else going on under the hood. And there's some back and forth discussion on like the subreddit and the wiki about what can fix it. I'm going to try a few tweaks, but, um, it, I mean, it adds literally everything. You can buy, own, and pilot mechs, vehicles like tanks or APCs, other special equipment like VTOLs. You can use, uh, you can get, um, aerospace fighters and the, uh, I forget what they're called, but they're mechs that can also convert to that can fly. They're mechs that can fly. They can swap back and forth between aerospace so fighters and so mech So do they?
1: So do they make the noise whenever they transform?
0: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Actually, I don't know. I haven't seen any yet. I just saw them in the list. Um, then there's the special ultra heavy mechs that you can uh get and that can show up in combat. Um, you can take up to two lances into battle now. So that's eight total mechs. You have to essentially get a second dropship and upgrade um, some some stuff in order to be able to take more than your um, original four mechs at 400 tons. But you can take up to eight mechs into battle. So that's very cool. Or, or eight things. Eight mechs, tanks, whatever. Um, they completely redid the skill system. A lot of stuff that were skill unlocks before Characters just get as they get new skills. Like for example, attacking or multi-targeting enemies, um, you just get once you get a high enough gunnery skill, I believe it is. Um, and now they've added new things in in those like active skill slots or whatever. There's a ton of new cost customization for um, paint schemes. Like you can save paint schemes, you can add uh, or sorry, there's new customization for pilots. There's new portraits. They added new voices. They put voices in that existed in the game already that you couldn't attach to your pilots, like Kamea, Um, She was she's like the the queen or whatever, um, but you can't use her voice on any of your pilots. Um, but now you can, um, and they you know they did other main character voices. They unlocked them, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, it it changes a lot of the way that combat works. It's it adds a lot more information. Um, if you've got either, uh, electronic suites on your mechs, um, like their mechs that have better ones, then you can see much more detailed information other than just 55 ton mech or 60 ton vehicle or whatever. Um, all the way down to actually what mech it is, um, what, what parts are on it. Um, and things like that. Like you could detect that, uh, with sensors instead of visual targeting. Um, it removes... It it takes the training wheels off on the sort of accuracy assistance that you can get with your pilot, sort of the the behind-the-scenes tweaking that makes it more or less likely that your shots will hit. All of that's gone now. Um, Accuracy is mostly determined by your pilot skills and uh, the type of mech that you're using. So, like, if you're using, like, a really fast mech and you move a lot on your turn your accuracy will nosedive unless you've got a really good pilot to deal with with that because it's you know it's like oh you're moving, you're shaking all over the place. You can sprint and attack on the same turn now, that's cool. But it basically makes it impossible to hit anything. It at least with you know where I was at in the game. Um and then the mech customization system is fucking nuts. Um, so it it's the most in-depth customization system I've ever seen, period. Not only are there weapons and equipment that you can equip to mechs or unequip, like things like engines, um, lots of secondary stuff like anti-missile system, electronic countermeasures, um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you can equip different types of armor. There's like ferrofibrous, uh, reactive, ablative. Um, you can change the internal structure of the mechs. You can switch out, like, their joints. Um, So if you want a mech that, for example, is sturdier, but you don't have any more weight to put additional um, armor on it, you can change the joints out for ones that don't move as much, and you can take, like, an accuracy penalty on your arms, but you get extra internal structure so that they're less likely to get destroyed. Um, You can change out life support systems on your mechs, So that, like, if you're on the moon, for example, your pilots are more essentially more comfortable, and so they perform better. Um, You can actually mix and match parts from different mechs to create Franken-mechs with apparently greater or lesser degrees of usefulness. But, um, you know, you can create these really weird, janky creations. Um, Each mech has got, like, sort of a a quirk system that you can build into with stuff that you attach to it they're kind of like traits um, or maybe they're special pieces of equipment that uh, for example like there's a trait you can give one that's uh, what was it called I think it's called the every the every mech and it's like a special trait that you can attach to a mech that makes it cheaper to repair it's got like a little tag that's like yeah this mech has you know been in constant combat for 300 years there's a little bit of everything in here um, it's easy to work with, easy to repair, and easy to customize. And it was like, you know, like a 10% reduction in repair cost and time to work on the Mac. Which, you know, this is pretty cool. Um, it allows you additional, you know, customization as you go along. So there's... It's daunting how much stuff is in the game. Like, part of me is like, oh my god, this is amazing. I love it. I love it. And part of me is like, ooh, this isn't exactly what I thought I was getting in for. Um, So... But it might all come crashing down if I can't fix the performance because I cannot stand the constant hitching and how long it takes to complete turns and the occasional accidental misclick because the frame rate dips. I mean, for the most part, it's like, you know, do you want to do this? Yes or no? And you can click no if you misclick, but it just, that really sucks. And I I don't like that. So I'm going to spend some time tinkering with it to try and fix it. And if I can't, then I'll just try another one of these, I don't know, conversion mods or Mega whatever mods. yeah one of the huge mods or I might just go back to the base game because there's still a lot of unexplored content I have from the base game slash DLCs that I have so I, I might go for some smaller mods that are just like add in certain things or tweak certain gameplay settings and and not go for the full total conversion but it, it is very cool so yeah Rogue Tech still better than Mech Warrior 5 yeah, but then again, I, it I, is think a, as it is. I think a room temperature of spit is better than Mac Warrior Five, possibly, but more gross. It might be better, but it's still more gross. I oh, don't know. I mean, I was pretty grossed out by some of the mechanics. So, <laughs> all yeah. right. So let's move on to our first news story of the night. Um, after what is probably our longest video game section in a long time. Yep. Um, our first news topic of the night: the culling origins is returning with a strange business model and strange it is indeed so what the ever living fuck
1: i mean yeah oh, so
0: so okay
1: i'll give you a, your voice a little bit of a break so the calling this was one of the early runners of the battle royale genre and it was mostly focused on melee combat with some bows and arrows if your call correctly and it was set up like a game show esque. Uh, battle royale where eventually things would try to convulge into this arena if memory serves correctly so they basically flubbed it they were uh, early uh uh game in this genre and they flubbed it by just ignoring the player base and trying to push the game in a in a direction that the player base didn't want and it flopped they just shed too many players and a Battle Royale game, like I've said before, needs a fairly substantial player base because these games are pretty big on each match because, you know, you're you're usually 100 players, sometimes a little bit less, but, you know, usually pretty big from the outset. So then they released The Calling 2, and it flopped so bad that they actually offered full refunds. It was out for a couple weeks, and they just pulled it. Just, no, this isn't working. Nope. So now the calling is back once again, and uh, I-, I think Jim Sterling uh, uh, had it best. A pay-to-pay-to-play game. So, this is originally coming out on Xbox One, where you're, it, the base game is $5. Uh, let me just double-check my pricing here, okay? 5 uh, mm-hmm. uh five ninety nine, okay? So $6, sorry. And it comes with a free ticket every day to play one match okay one singular then if you win the match you get another token to be able to play again but if you lose like statistically most of the people in the game you either have to wait to the next day which they didn't say if it's a timer like a 24 hour timer or if it's like a set time where like the server's reset and oh it's next day or buy packs of tokens or a p- online pass to play as many times as you want in a 7- or 30-day uh, span. What the ever-living
0: fuck. Yeah. That's so, horrendous. Hey, how about that? Something dumber than loot boxes. Yeah. So uh, This makes yeah. loot boxes look like a good idea.
1: Okay, so a pack of tokens. I'm uh, pulling this from Tech Raptor. What? links in the show notes if you wish to see this or you know, gulp at it yourself. Uh, And there will be the link to the Jim Sterling one, which was where the first one I saw was was Jim Sterling. A pack of tokens 3 for 99 cents 10 for 2.99 or 20 for 4.99 or you can buy the pack or the 7 day pass for $199 or a 30 day pass for another 5.99. Hey, how about that? you can pay 5.99 all over again and be able to play as much as you want the game that you just paid 5.99 for so mm-hmm. uh, they had a, a, a press release with this so i'm going to read this and i'm going to try to keep the sarcasm out no promises so the calling is one of the pioneers in the, the battle royale genre and even today it stands alone as a unique up close and personal combat experience said Josh Van Veld, uh, Exvance Director of Operations. We get messages every day from players who want uh, the calling uh, to come back, and for the last several months, we've been working to make that happen. Pl- uh, players, so there's more than one. That's actually a surprise, isn't it? But anyway, our new approach uh, focuses on sustainab- on sustainability. We've optimized our system to keep the server costs low, and shifted our monetization approach to ensure that players will be able to visit the island for years to come. How? If anything, this is just dating your players. I mean, the big three in this genre, Fortnite, PUBG, and Apex Legends, alright? Two Mm -hmm. are completely free to play and are powered uh, by uh, cosmetic microtransactions. Right? Right. The third one is pay to get in also powered by microtransactions on the cosmetic side of things, but all three. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can play those as much as you fucking want, right? How how does this make it so that this is more sustainable?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know what the purpose of this is or how it's supposed to work. It feels desperate. It feels like. Well, maybe we can try and do this thing that nobody has ever done before, or at least not in this space. I mean, maybe there's mobile games that do. It. In fact, there probably are mobile games that do this.
1: I mean, this but... is essentially an MMO monetization. Uh, I mean, if you t- if you ignore the online match tokens completely, okay, and just focus mm-hmm. on the online pass, that's essentially MMO esque monetization. Yeah. For a battle royale that you're already buying into, but the thing is that MMOs. Well, one, they have more a bigger player base. Hey oh. But also they support that by having online oh yeah, for one, you know, focused patches that are part of that experience and focused content and also being a lot more than a C tier battle royale game. It's just
0: wow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see the monetization or the subscription working if there was something unique or interesting or, you know, if they offered something for it, I could see it working. But, I definitely don't don't see this otherwise. I'm just... Or don't see this working. And the tokens are just stupid. They're just... Why? Why would you do that? The, the only way
1: I see the, uh, the tokens working is if you were to get the pass and then basically build up enough tokens to be able to play past that. Sort of like... Uh, be able to get enough uh, uh, of the licenses in Eve that, during your subscription to be self-sustaining, but it, it, in a shitty battle royale game, yeah. Oh, let's just put it this way: I went, uh, I went over to the sub or to the uh, uh the Steam forums, and it, it suddenly came alive, and uh, there's a lot of laughter.
0: Yep, yep, I would say so. I
1: wonder if there's a subreddit. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, there's two because, of course, there's the calling too, but nobody remembers. Okay, so let's see what people are saying, okay? Uh, Okay. uh, The calling uh, uh, is back. That's the announcement one. Paid matches. Congratulations. You're the worst pay to play model I've ever seen. Even paid to enter MMOs or subscriptions and assorted uh, microtransactions are better by miles. That has 39 upvotes. To, To be fair, this is a small subreddit, so there's 5,800 people subscribed to it. Well, it sounds like a lot, but remember.
0: Maybe
1: yeah. $5 a month for a subscription uh, uh, Battle Royale game
0: just blows my mind.
1: I mean, just how? I'm not seeing anybody in support of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I... Yeah. I agree with you. I don't see how or why. I mean, they're just trying something to be trying something without offering it anything that matches what they're asking for
1: i mean i do understand some of the nostalgia for the calling because it was more of a focus on melee combat if memory serves correctly so having something different in the combat wise instead of you know oh there's a sniper uh, in that house you know across the field that just picked me off great yeah i could see that but uh, wow and also first person uh, melee rarely feels satisfying and if I remember correctly, I think it also had a crafting system built into it, where you had to craft your weapons. So there was some tree punching in it as well. Although I could mm-hmm. be mistaken on that one. To be honest, all of these Battle Royale games kind of run together.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't really know if I have anything else to say about it. Just it's really stupid. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I tested you saying you have to watch the Jim
1: Starling video. I with wish with the next. I wish I could have seen. The look on your face whenever you watched it.
0: Yeah, you sent it with an exclamation point as well, and I was like, "Oh man, what is this?" It was, it was definitely, it did not disappoint. You didn't oversell it to me.
1: I don't think I could have. I, I think, I think if I told you exactly the contents of it, you would have not believed me and went into the not expecting it. Yeah, because if I told you, oh yeah, they're gonna, you you buy into the game and then you. Are charged for tokens, and unless you win one on your single uh, free play of the day, and free and sarcasm quotes because you're buying into the game, you would have not taken me seriously.
0: Well, no, I think I would have taken you seriously because it's it's you. I wouldn't expect you to make that up, but
1: and also make up it, something like that, right?
0: Yeah, and it, it was still surprising, uh, very surprising. So, I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, our next news topic of the night. Yeah, this is speculation based off of a beta thread, if I recall correctly. Yep. Um, it looks like Valve is planning Steam loyalty discounts and rewards. So this is some deep
1: diving on Steam DB, where they found some strings in the beta release, talking about loyalty reward systems with... Uh, Reward levels, badge levels, and some of the talk I've seen online is essentially equating it to how Valve has gotten, or how they've gamified the major sales of the summer and uh, winter, and making something like that for year round. And that is interesting, because we haven't really seen Valve try to compete or do something really different in quite a while, actually, have we?
0: No, they've kind of settled into the same routine of how they do their, their big sales and things like that, which I don't have a problem with. I'm not, like, complaining in that respect. Like, Valve has still got the best sales in when they do them for digital sales. But, I mean, it was really nice when they used to do, like, all kinds of little games and community stuff and yeah, there was, lightning deals and all that jazz. Yeah, so. I do
1: miss the lightning deals. But there was also... Uh, they had this... Uh, Clicker uh, for one year that people uh, broke uh uh they had uh, they had just raw giveaways that they had to stop doing because they were uh, people were farming humble bundle to be able to make new accounts to try to get better chances at games which is just sad mm-hmm. back when humble bundle uh you know uh, gave you keys for a penny and that's why humble bundle has a dollar minimum nowadays uh so there is the chance that this could backfire because people will exploit a system. I mean, this is why we can't have nice things, right? Right, of course. But on the flip side of things, having some incentive or having some sort of a gamified loyalty system could really pay off in the long run, especially for people that you know, buy games during the year and not wait for these major sales. You know, people that see, oh, well, uh Disco Elysium's thir- uh 25% off or something and it's like oh I'll buy that. Uh, I just saw Disco Elysium on the front page. That's why I went with that one. Uh but or see oh well the uh yeah Halo 2 just came out. Uh, I could get the Master Chief collection and have it count towards my loyalty system as well. And this isn't the yeah Valve is actually kind of behind on this because uh some of the other gaming uh retailers do have some sort of loyalty system even if it's just a straight a dollar to some sort of currency that uh, gets redeemed later on or uh, some sort of set bonus that you get later on. So having something on Steam is, yeah, I, I, I fail to see a real problem with it unless it's just so convoluted like some of the, uh, the these gamified sales that it just is tough to do or tough to take mm-hmm. part in. And also, kind of wonder if they're going to do a backlog, you know, like you know, are they going to look at the people that have you know way too many games like us,
0: right? like us, yeah, yeah. And
1: it's like, okay, well, you're loyal here, have something, right, and they talk about I hope so they talk about having giveaways, having uh, discounts, so it's interesting, it's very, very interesting to see just where this could go. I, I really see this being something like the steam summer sale or the winter sale where there's some sort of uh, just gamified thing. Even if it's just very simple, like, uh, buy this many games and you get this, or uh, or a certain amount of money on the uh, store page. And it just it rolls over into the uh, uh, buy, mu- uh, buy yearly sale as well, you know?
0: Yeah, And I could see Valve going either way with this, because sometimes they do some really cool consumer-friendly Neat stuff, and then sometimes they just do utter garbage bullshit, yeah, so it's like what you know it's it it's up in the air, I could see it going either way on on what they do, how they do it. I think I hope something is better than nothing in this case, yeah, I hope so, but you know as to how well it's implemented, how much they reward people already for their loyalty, which feels very weird to say. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Uh, But, yeah, that's
1: what these systems are called. Loyalty systems, so... Right?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, I have to say, there are some pretty good loyalty rewards programs out there for other stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it can be done. I've actually got a bunch of rewards points that I can... Whenever I drive places, again, on the regular. At a gas station, I always stop at for my fuel and for occasional snackies. You've got yeah. like ten dollars worth of rewards points yeah. to, to buy stuff in their store. Yeah,
1: Anita then, does that. I have rewards points from like Subway that is about to roll over. I have uh, uh stuff on I think it's Green Man Gaming that I've gotten mm-hmm. over the years. I have a couple browser add ons that uh rack up rewards points. Uh the probably the uh, the funny one is uh, uh scanning my uh grocery receipts uh actually built up a fair amount of gr- of uh rewards points there for like Amazon gift cards and that sort of thing. Which mm-hmm. I realize that's data accurate and but I mean Kroger I'm I'm buying from Kroger, so they already have my
0: data, so right? Right. Yeah. Um all right. Uh yeah. I can't think of anything else to really say other than I hope it's good. Uh hope speaking of are, uh, are nice. speaking
1: of uh hopeful. Uh the last one. Terraria Otherworld open source potential, and it did get a response from the developer saying that this is an actual thing. So Terraria Otherworld was a pseudo-sequel slash expansion pack that was uh, teased at one point at GDC in 2015 with a uh, short trailer just showing off some of the ideas of it. Basically, be able to go to different areas, it has a lot different of an art style than terraria i'm not going to say better or worse it just feels a lot more like starbound actually you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh yeah. but it was it's... uh canceled uh, 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 uh not too far after that just they ran to development issues well it seems like there's a dedicated fan base to this and uh they were saying well why don't you give us the source code? And this sprung up from a Discord message at some point, saying if uh, you get a hundred thousand signatures, oh, and fifteen dollars, we'll open source the game. Uh, and they said I'll cover the fifteen dollars myself, but it's up to the community to get enough signatures. And I I think it's kind of a cool idea, assuming that it actually happens, having this you know game that. It's never going to otherwise see the light of day just, you know, be out there for people to tinker with. Because there are you know, armchair developers that will just sit and work on something uh, as a pet project. And why yeah. not uh, you know, uh, Terraria? Terraria has an absolutely huge following.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's co- it's been constantly on the Steam Top 100 for pretty much since release. And I think it's actually stayed in the Top 25. Uh, let's see. Steam. Uh, Terraria right now has forty-two thousand four hundred and thirty-seven players with a peak today at fifty-three thousand it is its eleventh best played at the second. It let's put it this way. It has more players right now than Rocket League. Dang. The only games that are beating it Counter-Strike uh Global Offensive, which yeah, makes uh, sense, which peaks at over a million now. Dota 2, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, GTA 5 Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Team Fortress 2, Destiny 2, Warframe, Ark Survival Evolved, and Rust. Everything else, fewer players at this moment. Uh, Some of these have higher peaks. I mean, like, Football Manager and that's more of a European game. Uh, Football Manager 2020, it peaks at over 100,000. But still, right? That's quite impressive. Yeah. Let's Let's put it this way. It has, well, over double the player base of Fallout 4. <laughs>
0: well. And approaching three times that of Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, And Red Dead Redemption 2 kind of sucks. And then Fallout 4 is fine, but 3 and New Vegas are better, so. Although I think I'm, a, I'm definitely in the minority on thinking Red Dead Redemption sucks. Or Red Dead Redemption 2.
1: Yeah, but you're not yeah, in I the see. minority here thinking Bethesda
0: sucks. No, Bethesda sucks. Not even a good way, either. I can't even get off on the way that they suck. They use way too much teeth, and then they, like, try and steal my wallet while they while they do it. That's like, Bethesda, what are you doing? No comment. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I I would like to see more
1: projects like this. Uh, games that uh, just aren't going to see the light of day, if, if enough P- of their support behind it. Just release them as open source, or just release them as open source anyway. Because we see it even at uh yeah uh, E3 when E3 was a thing uh that one dragon game uh, uh yeah with the cringy uh, headphones uh, mm-hmm. from a couple of years ago now
0: yeah which I was looking forward to that yeah that, it, that I mean I got canceled yeah so. canceled pretty soon thereafter actually
1: within a couple of months actually wasn't it
0: yeah yeah within a couple of months of E3 that it, it, it had gotten canceled but I realized that.
1: AAA games, it's a lot harder because there's so much underlining tech that they license out. Uh, it could just be you know assets they may uh, bring in freelance artists that uh, that you can't uh, you know, just open source it because yeah, you know, one uh, the assets are a little different, but also underlining stuff like how loot is done, how uh just the algorithms for the random, uh, randomization may uh, be proprietary uh net code if it's a multiplayer game, that sort of thing. It may just be where they don't have the licensing that they can't, you know, just publish it because they don't own that. Yeah. But I would like to see more of these come out. But yeah, that's kind of a pipe dream I know.
0: I you never know. There are uh actual good developers out there in the world. Not many, but a few. Um so there's there's the potential that this could happen again for interesting games. I I also hope that it sees the light of day. I I mostly played Terraria because it was a thing that we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the time we we were recording it, but I mean, even if we weren't recording it, like it would be a game that I would that I mostly played because I enjoyed playing it with you. Yeah. But well, well, you know, I think our problem people with, out
1: there. who... I think our problem with the, with Terraria in general was that. Uh, we skipped a lot of progression in towards the mid, uh, mid game, going from essentially the easy mode to the hard mode for the world, and we should have spent time building up. But yeah, you know, we kind of accidentally triggered something.
0: Yeah, um, that's fair. But I mean, you know, for the people out there who like it and who want it, you know, I hope that this works out for them. I recognize that Terraria is a good game; it just didn't quite connect with me. Yeah, which well, Terraria in- in-
1: has another. Uh, big patch coming out that's supposedly uh, adding another game mode and tweaking a lot of things. So we may wor- be worth checking out at some point.
0: Yeah. Alright. Well, that does it for our news topics this week. Um. So, unless we had something that I missed for a Community Corner, we can... I didn't see anything, but I
1: should go double check
0: just to be safe,
1: because uh, something could have been sent in, and I was just sitting here for a while or something. Double checking, double checking, blah blah blah. Um, Nope, unless you just want to read the uh, the
0: alert that where I was logging into the account. Nah, I'm good with that. So tell them where they can send us things if they want to. Oh, you
1: could do so vglpodcast at gmail.com, or you could just send them to us on the Twitter vglpodcast over there as well, or or Discord, but you can find that over at com for a link to there, because that's a very confusing link to try to read. Indeed.
0: So, doobly-doo for a Discovery queue time. Yep.
1: and I have one off the bat because, of course I do, because I have it set right, another tab. So scroll, 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 scroll to the right place. Overshoot. Uh, uh, clear out what's still there from last time oh oops i forgot to do that so i got virtue reverse a cyberpunk uh point and click adventure set so in the uh, in a future not so far away virtual is a cyberpunk point and click adventure weaving tales of t- uh tetra technomancers avr graffiti writers hackers gangs tribes of uh crypto shamans epic uh cyberwares digital archaeology and virtual reality debauchery jack in spread the code look at virtual reverse i mean that sounds really cool just from the little marketing blurb basically cyberpunk uh and i'm blanking on the year that <laughs> they have it 2044 2077 2077 I was uh, a few years early. 2077, only point-and-click adventure. I mean, if you're... That does sound neat. Yeah. I mean, it has a really nice art style to it, too. And I absolutely love that gif that they have on it, uh, right on about this game. It, it feels like the-, the old King's Quest games, in a good way. But, yeah, that is uh, definitely uh, a good one. Oh, and you just nice. you just got the one I got next, so I'll continue going it- you're up. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I got uh, Hydroneer. Hydroneer is a mining and base building sandbox. Dig for gold and other resources to turn a profit and enhance your mining operation. Build a base of operations, forge weapons, go fishing, and dig deep. Um, that description makes it sound like it's going to be sort of like maybe a Minecraft esque type thing. You know, you're doing a lot of manual work. But actually, it's got what looks like um, voxel-y type machines in it there's like uh like a bulldozer and a digger and mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know what these are called but the machines that that are purpose-built to cut down trees chainsaws um, and then well no it's <laughs> like a vehicle um wheel chainsaws sure <laughs> and then there's like piping and stuff so i, I don't know it looks pretty neat uh, i think it's cute uh it, I mean, it's just one of those sort of voxel voxely minimalist minimalist-type-looking art styles, but I don't know. I've seen it done way worse than this. I think it's cute. Yeah. M- maybe I've just been playing too much Minecraft with my kid, <laughs> but... Well, this is the yeah. second
1: game. At the other one of theirs uh, looks like it's based around sailing. Uh, sail the Caribbean, uh, laying seeds to naval forts. So.
0: The Scuttle. Ooh. That's ninety nine cents. Shit, dude, I'm buying that. Not right now. But I mean that's I mean that's impulse by territory. Yeah. Like hardcore. Alright, but anyways, yeah. So
1: I got Jet Lancer. Oh, as I click out. Okay, so a high velocity aerial combat. So sort of uh old school uh Ace Combat, uh, okay. Uh, maybe, uh, well, maybe I should say Star Fox. It, it, it looks like they go between a few different styles of game because there's some that looks like it, you're controlling a hovercraft. There's some that's like 2D shooter. There, then there's some that looks like it's yeah, first-person combat, uh, like uh, yeah, the old uh, Star Fox games, uh, uh, either the third or first person. So it's a little bit. Tough to really say, but
0: uh, looks neat, right? That does look really interesting. I'm actually watching the trailer for it. I very rarely will just sit and watch the trailer and all these. So you've got like a... Um, this uh, pinkish-purple uh, jet that has
1: some rather impressive customization on it as well.
0: Yeah, it looks very time-piloty um, with the way that this sort of 2D system works. But then, yeah, you're right. Like, sometimes they're showing some uh, like a hovercraft thing, um, and it, there's like a, a, maybe a visual novel component, but also maybe like some sort of mecha type elements to it. This is interesting looking. Yeah. I nearly passed it up, but because you had a
1: a little bit of time to talk. Well,
0: Yeah. Okay. So I got one I was uh, I haven't put it on let me go put it on the list yeah, um, just because I was looking at that um this is called spirit of the north um I think uh, mine it is talked a about before
1: but I'm gonna talk about it anyway
0: okay this is a uh, third person adventure game where that you're playing a uh, a fox who your, like, travels become intertwined with the Guardian of the Northern Lights. It says it's a female spiritual fox. And you go on a little adventure. It looks really, really pretty. Beautiful, maybe, is a better word than pretty. Um, cause it's, I mean, there's certainly some cuteness to it, but this kind of reminds me not specifically in the way that it looks of Okami, but sort of the intention of like how it feels, you know, your, how it feels. Yeah. Um, but it, it looks gorgeous. Uh, a little bit of, uh, them trying to do some fanciful on top of photorealistic cause the animals and the environment look great, but then there's all this sort of spiritual world artistic component laid over the top of it in what they're showing. I really like the look of this.
1: But yeah, okay.
0: Okay, so I
1: got Adam RPG Turagrad. Adam RPG Turagrad is a turn-based post-apocalyptic role-playing game which continues the story of Adam RPG as a standalone sequel slash expansion. And follows the tradition set by classic uh, CRPGs, such as early Fallouts and Wasteland titles. And it feels very much like old-school Fallout. Just in the art style. I mean, that one shot with the power armor. If you you told me that was a Fallout game, I
0: would believe you. Because damn but in a good way
1: in a very good way actually
0: yeah i don't think i talked about this one I think but I, I talked about a game similar to it i think you it. talked
1: about the previous one and this is the maybe, se- and this is the sequel because it feels it feels very familiar but it, we don't have enough crpgs and this looks like it's very in depth it's still in early access though so it's that's one problem they're planning on a 6 month uh, early access run with the. Uh, hang on, current state of early access. 30% ready. Uh, you'll have the two starting main quests and 25 side quests in five large locations. So, yeah, I'm worried that this is going to have Divinity of Ritual Syndrome, where uh, the very beginning of the game is incredibly polished because Playtest has been spent the majority of time on that, going over and over it again. While the further you get, it becomes more Games of Thrones ish, where you know the ending kind of sucks because not enough people played it. So I'm a little yeah. concerned about that with you know early access uh, RPGs. But that's just me.
0: Yeah, um, I got Dirt Five. That's um, my next one. Which, in case you're listening and you don't know what the Dirt series is, Dirt series is it's an off-road racing rallycross. It's got all of those different disciplines in it. Um, just basically off-road stuff. Any off-road motorsport you can think of has shown up in the Dirt series over the years. So from, like, a car perspective, I don't think they've ever done motorcycles. Although they might have, and I didn't know. Uh, motocross, that is. But, um, I mean, this is the, the fifth one. So I'm assuming that it's just gonna be more. More vehicles, well, from what, more uh, tracks, uh, different I, tracks. I saw
1: people talking about a teaser trailer for it, and they said that it feels like Dirt uh one and two in a good way. So, yeah. Well, good. Yeah, I got one. I had to dig because oh. I got a couple VR t- only titles.
0: Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just re- I was scrolling through this a little bit more. It looks like it has a co-op career mode. Ooh. That's interesting. So, that does sound interesting. I'm interested in that.
1: Carry on. Uh but yeah, they were talking about how it Uh, feels like the older Dirt titles they kind of ignore some of the stuff they did with the later ones which is probably a good thing actually
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so I got an interesting one Wintermore Tactics Club I'm just going to read the marketing blurb again because (laughs) Wintermore Tactics Club is a story about surviving high school with gameplay inspired by tactics RPGs and visual novels so a tactical uh, basically Final Fantasy Tactics-esque visual novel
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure how they're going to pull this off, but it looks very charming, and I believe—hang on, I'm just double-checking this. uh, This is from the same developer as Banner Saga, so yeah, so that is a very interesting one. So they, Sweet. so they definitely have their feet wet with RPGs to begin with. So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. And it looks like it has some proper uh, tactics uh, RPG uh, uh, combat as well, which is a nice change of pace, huh?
0: Yeah, I'm near the end of my queue, but I just got maybe one of the best games ever. Evil Genius 2 World Domination. Uh, Oh, I've had had that a while ago, I believe, but go for it. Did you? I don't remember uh, it. I think I remember talking about it at one point. Maybe you did. Uh, build your own evil lair and hide out and defend your your operation from the forces of justice. I love a good bad guy simulator game, and this one looks like it's going like over the top into the well, silliness. Pl-
1: well, I played the original. Uh, and uh, the Well, actually, it looks like the original is free right now. Ooh, fancy. On Steam? Uh, looks like you have to go through a third-party site. I'm okay with that. Oh, and I just got Virtuaverse 2. Uh, but, yeah, I played the original, and it was uh pretty good for the most part. It was more of almost a Rube Goldberg machine uh, simulator, where you'd build these devious traps and uh, try to make it so that your own minions wouldn't fall into them. And you would get Mm -hmm. uh, uh, incentivized by building more complex and deadly traps. But you also have to deal with the issue of if you generate too much attention to yourself, you get super agents, think of them like James Bond-esque, that are not unkillable unless you torture them enough to discover their weakness. And then they can be killed only in one very specific way. So, yeah. So, I got a retro brawler called tonight we riot which oh, right. a revolutionary cra- uh, crowd-based retro brawler it doesn't have a lot of review or in-depth reviews on it there's some that are uh, really painting the game but you know, it's a cute uh, sort of a uh pixel view uh pixel arty uh, kind of Almost chibi esque art style, uh, with some soft thrown in there for some reason. In uh, a dystopia where the wealthy capitalists uh, control elections, the media, and the lives of the working people were faced with two choices: accept it or fight for something better. So, okay, so, uh, yeah, not Safa, uh, actual, uh, uh, real life. Got it. But yeah, looks
0: interesting. And it, nice anyway. Tonight we riot. Yeah. Um, I've gone through my whole queue. I got, I'm a my last one. Lost one. Okay. Got one more? No, no, no. Yeah, I've gone through my whole queue. The last game that I got was... um, What was the first game that you had? Virtuaverse? Yeah, I got Virtuaverse as my last game in my queue.
1: Uh, I got Helltaker as my last one, which... uh, The marketing blurb. Helltaker is a short game about sharply dressed demon girls.
0: (laughs) Okay. You you wake up one day with
1: a dream harem full of demon girls. You open up the portal in hopes of fulfilling your wildest dreams. Hellfire burns through your lungs, that the around every corner and everything. Looks like from a cutesy bubble game. You are in hell. Diverse <laughs> hell in search of love, win hearts of horrible demon girls, kick adorable skeletons around. Solve puzzles with uh, as efficiently as possible. Or just skip puzzles in the menu. Try not to get murdered by Demon Girls. Get murdered by Demon Girls anyway.
0: So, there you go, right? Nice. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have no idea what to expect from this. It It's a free-to-play short puzzle game. So, there you go, right?
0: Yeah. Looks cute, though. Yeah.
1: Art style looks pretty so... cute on the cutscenes. So, there you go, right?
0: Yeah. Is this, like, um... Crap, what's the game where that whenever you like with music, whenever you move, stuff happens? Uh, Crypt of the Decor Dancer. I have no idea. I'm just sitting here yeah. looking at this, and does it re- really uh, lend itself
1: that well to trying to describe it? Uh, it no, does, it, it does. yeah, it does look like it may be, but it's hard to tell. I mean, it's
0: it's hard to tell, yeah.
1: Uh, but hey, free to play, so there you go, right? Yeah, very true. Uh hang on, let's see what else this does developer's does This developer's done nothing else. But <laughs> uh, their DLC, which is uh, 9.99, art book plus pancake recipe.
0: <laughs> well, you're you're buying that, aren't you? Uh, everything in this
1: art book could be unlocked for free in the game, but uh, if you end up buying it anyway, thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So essentially a donation uh, uh, for the game.
0: Uh, I, I kind of like that model, you know. Yeah. Better than uh, well, better than the calling, right? Yeah, better than playing, paying fucking tokens, <laughs> buying fucking to whatever. Tokens are dumb. They died with arcades. Yeah, shame arcades died, huh? Yeah, I never liked going to arcades. Anyways, all that much. Like I like to play in the games, but I hated actually going there. Public space, a lot of people, a lot of noise. I've always been that way, even as a kid. But anyway, um, uh, that's it for that. So waiting. Indeed. Hey, Rage
1: him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Steam. Game, or Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. And you've been?
0: Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can be my friend on Steam by uh, sending a friend request to JR34707.
1: And if you're listening to exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is meh. <laughs> Yep, that fits. Meh, pretty much meh. Uh, how we feel about Mech uh, Warrior Five. Meh, meh. Uh, either well, I'm pretty sure I used disappointed before, so but eh, I like that one. Meh. I also like that one. So once again, you could contact us VGLPodcast, podcast at gmail dot com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us VGLPodcast, on the Twitter. <laughs> Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you wish to see the show notes or find links to all our stuff, you can find us at vglpodcast.podbean.com or on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice if you wish to spread us around. <laughs> our intro and outro music is on the ground and our Discovery Cube music is doobly-doo, both by Kevin
0: McLoyd. You can find his work over at incomputech.com and as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, buh-bye now. See you next time.
1: Bye bye